The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. It's of doctrine. Now, as I discussed last time, doctrine is teaching. And I've heard it said that we are all the same, but for the books we read and the people we meet. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I think it has some bearing on who we are and, and, and what our character is like and, and these sort of things. So I, I agree with that statement uh, somewhat. But whether you agree or not, this being said, we must assume that the influences of life will, in fact, affect our behavior. Uh, do you agree with that? The, the influences in our life, the people that we allow in, the, the things that we receive and accept as, as teaching and as doctrine, they're going to affect, they're going to influence our behavior as we, as we grow and mature. Uh, that, that being said, what are the effects of good influences? <clears throat> well, in Proverbs 13.20, Solomon states, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So we can see from Solomon's wisdom that if we associate and if we walk or, or live our lives under the influence of wise people, then we will be wise people. But if we follow the, 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 the opinions and the philosophies of corrupt people, then we will be destroyed. Our life will be a wreck and, and a ruin. Conversely, corrupt influences produce the opposite result. Paul states in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, he says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And by this word communications, he's talking about our lifestyle. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You young people in this room, who you choose to associate with will in a large sense determine what type of person you become. And you might sit there and say, oh, Mr. Abshire, I'm, I'm stronger than that, I'm smarter than that. You're smarter than God, are you? Because God's word says evil communications corrupt good manners. And Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said, A companion of fools shall be destroyed. So it's very important. Now, we're not to go around with a superior attitude. We're not to go around thinking we're better than anyone else. In fact, the Bible tells us that we're to deem ourselves um, lower than others. We're to esteem others better than ourselves. But we are to be very cautious as to who we allow to influence us in the decisions we make. And, and by the way, uh, one of the greatest means to influence people, corrupt television is becoming. I mean, seriously. I was thinking about that this week. We have an entire generation who is infatuated and in love with the walking dead, with zombies and, and with vampires and all these things. And folks, look, I'm not trying to, what I'm trying to say is these things are influencing our overall philosophies. They're influencing the way we think. And we're not wise if we allow these things to take control of us. So, 
Evil communications corrupt good manners. So from this we can determine that good doctrine will produce good results while corrupt doctrine will produce, produce poor results. Consider our society today. Certainly, we would all agree that the doctrines of this world, uh, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life are corrupt. Uh, they were taught to us in public school. And they're still being taught to our children in schools today. Now, I went to public school a long time ago. Long time ago. And uh, the influences that we gained from public school were not anything like they are today. I mean, we started every morning out with the Pledge of Allegiance. We, we sang, usually, a, a, a hymn. And we prayed. We prayed before lunch. And, 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 I mean, that was public school when I was there. Now, it's not that way at all. And there's a complete, there's a complete dearth of biblical principles and truth in schools. So we know this. And we see the effect that this has had on our society today. We see the effect it's had on young people. Uh, rape is on the increase. Murder is, is, is um, out of control. Incest, abortion, pornography, violence, hatred, homosexuality, drugs, drunkenness, promiscuity, blasphemies, thieveries, envy, wantonness, revelry, rebellion. And I could go on and on and on with the list. Now, when I was, when I was a young boy in school, these kind of things were, were rarely ever heard about. I mean, you never heard about something as horrid as abortion. And, and homosexuality was, was something that was, was whispered in the dark. And you certainly didn't want anyone to know if you were involved in it. Pornography could only be purchased in the seediest parts of town. But not anymore. And all of this is in large part the result of the corrupt doctrines in our society. Now, some will argue, yeah, but these, these things are not the result of doctrine. Uh, they, would, they would take place anyway. And, and, and you can argue that point if you want, that man would have decayed and, de and the depravity would have increased. And I'm not going to deny that, because certainly that is, that is true. We see in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 that God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Man is corrupt at his core. Man is corrupt in his nature. Uh, and, and we need to remember that doctrine, that teaching, <clears throat> is not a magic pill. Teaching must be received and applied. It's just like you can go to the doctor and have an illness and the doctor can write you a prescription and hand it to you, but if you don't go fill that prescription and take it, it's not going to help you any, is it? So teaching in and of itself is not a magic pill. Remember, it's the influences. As, as I stand here and, and teach lessons like this, as the pastor stands in the pulpit and preaches, uh, it's not a magic pill. It's not, it doesn't have a placebo effect. You must receive the teaching and the preaching. You must apply it to your lives, and you must act upon it in order for it to help you. So yes, the answer is yes. These things would all exist, even if we didn't have biblical doctrine, but I would argue the fact that, that they would take place at a, at a greatly reduced rate. That things wouldn't be quite where they are in our society today if we didn't have such, a, such an abandonment of true doctrine across our nation. 
So these things would still exist, but they would certainly be far less influential than they are. Think back for a moment. Those of you today, again, who are at least 40 years of age, think back to when you were a child, how differently things were. And how as children we were often sheltered from a lot of the darker uh, things in life. I didn't know what all these things were when I was when I was seven or eight years old. I was too busy having fun in, in life and playing and my parents protected me and they watched over me and they guarded me and, and, and things such as that. And, but today the influences are so much, so much more corrupt. I mean, we are turning our children into the schools and the teachers there have an agenda. And that agenda is to permeate their minds with, with, with false truth, with, with sin and with, with all these wicked, vile things that men consider to be uh, reasonable. So we, we live in much different times. So it's important that we have good doctrine, as doctrine is defined. And this good doctrine will produce results in our life. Now, with the time remaining this morning, I would like to consider some of the benefits of good doctrine. So number one on your study sheet, good doctrine matures the believer. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul writes that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Paul carefully uses the simile of children because in truth that's exactly what we are. We are children. And though we may be in our 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s, I'll stop there. If any of you are above that, you can lump yourself in with the 70s. Though we're at that age, we are still in many ways like children when it comes to spiritual truth. Because none of us will ever grow to a full knowledge and awareness of Christ. Not, not everything that there is to know about him or everything that there is to know about God. We could not amass that kind of knowledge, though we live a hundred lifetimes. He is, his, his knowledge and, and his wisdom is immeasurable and is beyond our comprehension. So we're children. So Paul uses the simile as children. And, and, and the thing he's trying to say here is uh, that what, what happens to children? They grow up, don't they? They mature. Um, children have to be taught everything. That's, that's one of the unique things about a child, is you bring him home, and he doesn't know anything. Doesn't know a thing. He has to be taught everything. Has to be taught how to walk. He has to be taught how to crawl. He has to be taught how to speak. And as he goes, as we grow in life, we have to be taught everything. Everything must be taught and Paul states that we are to mature in our doctrine, in our, in our teaching. That's why it's so important. Listen, it's important what, the, what the, the preschool kids are taught in church. My wife teaches the, uh, the toddler's nursery. It's important what they're taught. It's important what the first graders are taught, all the way up through, through the teenagers, and even the adults and, and the seniors, all of us. It's important that we are taught the right things. Why? Because they mature us. They help us to grow. We gain knowledge and, and we gain strength and we gain confidence and we gain courage all through the things that we are taught. Good doctrine matures the believer. 
Now, there are elements that go into raising children. I noted a few. Uh, to grow, children require the right amount and types of food. They require large amounts of rest. And by the way, I've noticed something interesting. As you get older, you require more rest also. You notice that? I was telling my employer at work the other day, I said, you know, I really think you ought to build a nap time into the afternoon schedule for those of us over the age of 50. But uh, they didn't laugh about that. Uh, they require large amounts of rest. They must be loved and cared for. Children need love. Children who aren't given love are going to grow up to hate. They need to be loved and cared for. They, they must be corrected and disciplined. Boy, if we, know, if we can see anything in society today, we can see that the abandonment of correction and discipline in young children has resulted in a generation of people who have no respect for anyone or anything. And these things are necessary if children are going to mature and grow, and it's true also with the believer. So let me share some thoughts with you here before we finish up today. Letter A on your study sheet. We are nourished on the right doctrine. We are nourished on the right doctrine. First Peter chapter 2, Peter states, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Paul is saying here that we need to be nourished. Babies, infants need to be fed uh, milk. Uh, you can't feed an infant a steak. You can't, you can't feed him a baked potato. Right? You know that. We know that. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't even think about that. Well, as newborn babes in Christ, we also need to be nourished on the sincere milk of the word. Now, that's not to say that a newborn Christian can't handle doctrine. They, they should be taught true doctrine. However, they should also be taught with patience and with love. Those of us who interact with new Christians should be patient with them. Maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years and you've, you've mastered many of the, of the challenges in the Christian life. Well, this newborn babe hasn't done that. So you can't be judgmental and cruel to them. You've got to be patient. You've got to nourish them. You've got to explain to them what's right and what's wrong. And, and, and they, they hear it through preaching, through doctrine, through teaching, and through fellowship and interaction. And we, by love, we patiently guide one another into maturity. Now, this, this doesn't happen if you don't have good doctrine. Uh, Job knew that this was true. In Job chapter 23 and verse 12, we read, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job realized that the most important thing in his life was God's word. The teaching of God's word. That's the most important thing. And you and I as, as children in Christ should strive to be nourished on, on good teaching and good doctrine. We should strive to memorize scripture. We should strive to know the word of God so that in times of distress, in times when we need to lean upon the Word of God, we have it there as our strength and, and as our guide. Now think about feeding an infant for a moment. Good doctrine must be given to us in proper doses and appropriate order. I mean, you don't take a, you don't take a, a brand new born baby and give them a 48-ounce milk bottle and stuff it in there and make them drink every bit of it, do you? No, you know, a few ounces, uh, one or two ounces of milk... Uh, 
every now and then is what they need. And, and we need to remember that with doctrine, too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul states, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. And Paul is stressing here that, that he's patiently teaching the churches the doctrines of Christ. I believe that the virtue needed here is patience. Allow yourself time to grow. Maintain a steady diet of good doctrine, and you will grow and be able to handle the meat of the word. Do not become complacent and contented to remain babes in Christ. I, I know people that have been in the church for many, many years, and yet they haven't matured at all. And that's largely in part because they don't feed upon God's word. They don't feed upon the doctrine. And that keeps them weak and, and keeps them um, immature. In Hebrews chapter 5, we read, for when, the time, for, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principle of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we must feed upon uh, good doctrine. We must feed upon the word of God and, and, and begin to grow and begin to strengthen. And we add to our knowledge as we grow. Sometimes... Uh, Especially when I used to teach the teenagers, I'd, I'd, I'd make a statement, and all of a sudden I'd see a light bulb come on. Boing! They'd go, huh. And that's because they finally learned something. You know, it's hard to teach a teenager anything. It really is, because their attention span is, is that of a, of a mosquito. You know? uh, it's not long. I'm not, being, not trying to be offensive, teenagers. You can't help it. It's your hormones. It's just the way you are. And you can argue with me if you want, but I, I, I taught teenagers for 20 years. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, but every now and then, the light comes on. You, you've, you've experienced that, I'm sure. I have, sitting in the service. The pastor says something, and I go, what? What did he say? And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm brought aware to truth, to something I didn't know before. Listen, if you get to the point where you think you know it all, you're in trouble. Because you don't know as much as you think you know. And you always need to know more. So um, we nourish, we're nourished by, by the word of God. Okay, a letter B. We find rest in right teaching. I said, I said children need lots of rest. Newborn babes sleep most of the time, don't they? And when they're not sleeping, you wish they were. So they need lots of rest. And uh, Matthew chapter 11, we read, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now just as children need rest, so the Christian also needs rest. In the passage we just read, Jesus calls us to bring our burdens to him and leave them there. Uh, you know, one of the things about good doctrine is it's easily entreated. It's not burdensome to the people. You get involved in one of these 
churches in a doctrine where there's all these things that you have to do, the burdens become very great. I mean, there are churches around here, you, look, you've got to wear the right color shoes, and your tie has to be the right color. Your hair has to be right. Uh, your makeup can't be too dark, too light. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? All these burdens that are laid upon people in order for you to be righteous, you must do all these things. Now look, I believe if a man's heart is right, then the outside will be right. Amen? If a man's outside is, not, is right, doesn't mean his inside is right, though. Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you're like whited sepulchers. Or in other words, he said, you're like tombs that are all white and beautiful on the outside, but inside, what's in there? Dead man's bones and corruption and rotting flesh. And he said, that's how we are. So our righteousness should come from the inside out, not from the outside in. And, and I, believe that, I believe that we should present ourselves publicly with as much appropriateness as possible. But that doesn't prove a thing. Doesn't prove a thing. We need to make sure that we are, our doctrine uh, is that of, of Jesus Christ. And that itself is easy to entreat. It's easy to do the things that God calls us to do, number one, because he empowers us to do them. God never asks you to do anything that he doesn't give you the ability to do. So we, we come to Christ and we lay our burdens at his feet. And he takes our burdens upon himself and he lays upon us his burden, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we take that burden and we take the doctrine that we learn and we go forth in this life and we, we, we live a life of peace and of comfort and of rest. He asks us to take up the work of the church, praying, teaching, witnessing, studying, giving, love and compassion. And, and as I said, this is a work that he has equipped us and enabled us to accomplish. The burdens of this life are too heavy for us to bear. It will crush us under the load. Look at all the people in this world who are trying to, who are trying to bear their own burdens and look at, look at how... how defeated they often are and suicide and, and depression and, and discouragement and all these things. God does not want us to live that way. And if we burden ourselves with the doctrines of devils and men, then that's exactly the kind of life we will live. Embrace the doctrines of Christ. Come to Jesus. Lay your burdens upon him. Trust him and, and have confidence in him and go forth and, and do the things that he's called us to do and live in his strength, we, we find rest in the right teaching. But then let us see, we are confident by truth. These are the benefits of right doctrine. They mature us. Just as a child matures, has to be fed, and he needs rest. And, and, and Listen, a child's life needs, it, shouldn't, it just shouldn't be hard. You know, as a grandparent, I see that more than I did as a parent. A child's life shouldn't be so burdensome that something something not right when children are crying all the time. Not when they're crying because they want something and they're turning on the crocodile tears. But I mean when children are burdened, something's wrong. Because they can't mature well if they're burdened as children. 
And it's our responsibility as their parents to ease those burdens and, and to, to give them an opportunity to grow in love. And, and, and that's so important. But we are comforted by truth. Romans 15, 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. I'm sure that all of us can recall a time when our parents comforted us, when we were scared, or when we were injured, or when we were sad. Just as a child is comforted by the love and care of his parents, so the believer is comforted by the promises and truth of Scripture. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 18, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And, and maturity, maturing the believer, it, com- it includes the comfort we find in the Scriptures. However, for the person following corrupt doctrine, there is no real comfort. They must labor and work in perfection. However, if they feel in the least thing, they are, are back to square one. For some, it does not even end at the grave. They must prove their worth and earn their redemption even after death. And I think we all know that we're talking about the doctrine of the Roman Catholics and purgatory. And there are many false doctrines that do not offer any comfort, any comfort to its, to its student, to its hearer. I find great comfort in the, in the truth of God's word. Some of the some of the darkest moments in my life when I've been the most when I've been the most discouraged or the most challenged, I've turned to the word of God for my comfort. I've turned to God's word for strength and for peace. And I know that each of you have experienced the same thing. Times when we don't feel like we can go on when we feel like everything around us has, has fallen apart and there's no, no way we can go forward. But then we, then we turn to God's Word and in His Word we're found, we find strength and peace and comfort. And this is why it's important, folks, that we have the right doctrine. Because without that, we won't find that comfort. We won't find the peace that we seek and the peace that God wants us to have. I've spent time over the, over the years um, comforting my children when they were scared. You know what I'm talking about as parents. Children sometimes are scared, and you've got to sit there and you've got to say, don't worry, nothing's going to hurt you, nothing's going to bother you. Mom and Daddy are here. We're going to take care of you. Don't worry about that. And what a joy it is as a believer to know that we can trust God. And know that his word has promises that we, can, that we can call upon when we need them. So, good doctrine uh, brings comfort. Uh, letter D, and lastly this morning. We are disciplined in love. Talking about doctrine maturing the believer. A child, like we said, a, a child needs nourishment. It needs rest. It needs, it needs love and comfort. And it needs discipline and correction. And you and I are disciplined by our doctrine. Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. 
Now, nobody likes to get a spanking, right? I got spankings when I was a kid. I got more than my share. Actually, I didn't get more than my share. I got probably less than my share. I got far less than I deserved, I'm sure. But nobody likes to get a spanking. Now, my dad never told me. He never said to me, son, this is going to hurt me more than you. He never said that to me. I know, I know some people say that, but my dad never said that. And my dad also never said, if you don't stop that, I'm coming over there. My dad never announced his, his, his uh, he never announced his, his coming. He announced his arrival. And um, I was disciplined. Some people say, well, that's just barbaric. Yeah, but my generation was, was a pretty well-behaved generation, too. See, in, in, my, in my generation, I wasn't, the, I wasn't the exception. I was the rule. People got, children got disciplined by everybody when I was a kid. The principal would whip you at school. The teacher would whip you in the class. Your parents would whip you when you got home. When the neighbors heard about it, they'd come over and whip you. I mean, everybody whipped you. But you know what? I never got beaten in my life. Okay, I, I need to emphasize that. I've never been beat in my life. I was whipped. I was spanked. But I never got beat. And my daddy disciplined me in love. And the word of God disciplines us. In Hebrews chapter 12, Paul, Paul writes, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. But this chastening, this discipline, is evidence of our kinship with God. It proves we're his children because God disciplines his children. In verse 7 of Hebrews it states, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? So, there's comfort in our chastening from God. There's comfort in our discipline. When we do wrong, and God brings us to a knowledge of that wrong, and we suffer the consequences of that wrong, there's, a, there's comfort in that. There, there, there's, there's also maturity in that. You become a little bit wiser, don't you? And you grow through the chastening of God. Just as all these elements that we've discussed today, the nourishment, the rest, love, compassion, discipline, just as all these things serve to grow and mature the child, the infant in our lives, into a competent adult, so good doctrine serves to grow and mature the believer into a complete and competent Christian. Sometimes it's Sometimes it's difficult. I, I look out sometimes at other people, even other people in my own family, and I see that, that they have all these things and they seem, they, they seem to have a happy life and they seem to be prosperous and, and all these things, and, and, and yet I look at myself and say, you know, I don't have all those things. 
And it's easy, if we're not careful, to, be, to become jealous. It's easy to become envious of what the world has and what they can do. The freedoms, they, the, the, the seeming liberties they have. They don't have to spend every Sunday in church. and They don't have to do all these things that we do. But you see, good doctrine teaches truth. And truth matures us and causes us to understand that we are blessed beyond measure. You see, I'm not living for this life, folks. Now, I love my wife. She's sitting right over there. I love my wife. I love my children. I may not have always seemed like the most compassionate father to them, but I I had to do what a father often has to do. I love my grandchildren. And I love God. I, I'm one of the most blessed men you'll ever see. I, I, you're looking right now. You're looking, at prob- you're looking at one of the wealthiest men alive. Say, good, I'm going to come up to you and borrow $1,000. Well, I'm not wealthy that way. I have a home in heaven. I'm a child of God. I have eternal life. And if, if I have to endure things on this earth until that day, then praise be to God. Let us learn. And, and, and you know what does that? What brings that attitude is maturity. It's growing in Christ. And maturity comes from the Word of God and from the doctrine that we hear. So rejoice in the fact that, that you have truth in your life. Fear not the, the, the power of the world and the things of this earth. And let's, let's mature and let's grow. And let's, let's love Christ as we should. All right, folks, that's it. That's all I have time for. I'm going to stop. Thank you for being here today, and we'll come back together again later. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.